Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars they weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the film stage here. We talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today we're talking about uh, one of our kind of a great, great uh, working actors, right? I think kind of a guy who is in the rarefied air of an early Oscar win and then kind of cashing it in. And I would argue basically living up to what that win promised and and the guy i'm talking about is benicio del toro um as always conor o'donnell's with me conor how are you how's your what's the what day is today washington's birthday yeah something like that um Um, yeah my my washington's birthday was was okay i filed my taxes today i guess so that's whoa you're ahead of the game you know one less thing (laughs) one less thing Um, i guess that's good and we have a returning guest. You know him. You love him. Chad Harbaugh, the one and only producer of Linoleum, a great uh, film starring Jim Gaffigan and Rhea Seahorn um, and many others, I have to say, um, which if you're listening now is out in theaters and you should go see it. And we, And if you're listening now, right around this time, there's a companion kind of shorter, uh, shorter little special episode with Jim Gaffigan as well about linoleum. So we're kind of we're we're, we're going banner for linoleum a little bit uh, <laughs> these in these next few weeks, which we which we're very excited about doing. Chad, how are you? Thanks for coming back and congrats on the movie. Great, uh, thank you so much, and thanks for uh, the support of the movie. I just found out that you guys talked to Jim. Yeah, uh, we're really excited. We said all the bad things about you. We we're like that <laughs> producer Chad. He's trouble. He, he's he, like there was this would. one guy. This one guy. No, well, he's a he's a way dirtier comedian when you talk to him in person as opposed <laughs> to on stage. But uh, yes, uh, we have uh, this film called Linoleum, starring Jim Gaffigan and Ray Seahorn that Shout Studios is putting out. If you're in New York, it's playing at the Quad for a week or two. And in L.A. at uh, the NoHo uh, Lemley uh, and then other places around the country. It's a sci-fi dramedy about a failed uh, child's TV uh, science show star, kind of like Bill Nye if he wasn't successful. And his sort of midlife crisis, which is coinciding with a series of surreal events that uh we slowly reveal uh the origin of uh it's a kind of funny sci-fi dramedy sort of tearjerker kind of in the vein of like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i was gonna say it has like a michelle gondry vibe to it yes and uh it premiered it it premiered at south by southwest and has played at a bunch of great festivals and won some awards and gotten some good reviews so we hope people can check it out it'll also be uh, on VOD, and uh, you know, it's a uh, it's kind of a beautiful movie that has connected with a lot of people. So we we hope people will check it out. Yeah, and I think you know, before we get into Benicio, the the other thing I just say about Linoleum is 
Um, and apologies, Ray Sion. I always I knew that, and I said Ray, and I apologize. Everybody, um, everybody I know, does. I know, yeah. but I knew it, and I like I, I kind of pride myself in pronunciation, and I like made a note of it, and I still tripped over. But you know what? You, we're gonna you leave John it in. Travolted it because oh, you know, you know you, look, we're humble yeah. here. We're you know we we uh, we 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 acknowledge the mistakes, Adele Nazim, and whatnot. Um, but what I was gonna say was. I think what's cool about the movie, among many things about the film, right? You know, small, fi- small, small sci-fi, all these things. But what's cool, and this is maybe a little inside baseball, whatever. You know, this is was a COVID production, obviously, and I think there's elements to it where you can see how it could work because it is compartmentalized and it is in a huge cast. That being said, it's kind of it's it's even more impressive when you see what you you guys are able to achieve being an indie production and the COVID protocols, there it are doesn't like some... feel like a COVID movie the way a lot well, that's of what COVID I mean. movies yeah, feel yeah, like COVID I, movies. I get it being a COVID, a quote unquote COVID movie, which is reductive, but like just the sense of kind of the limitations. But then as the movie continues, the scope expands and whether or not that's like a magic trip, a trick of the production or whatever, it, it works is my point. And I think that's... You know, that alone makes it even more impressive, right? And I think you don't need to know any of that to like the movie. I'm just saying I kind of couldn't help thinking about that when I was watching it. I was like, and since you're a producer, you know, we're a lot of, we all produce in different capacities. I think that's just something that I just feel like you deserve an extra pat on the back, all you guys, because that's so crazy. Well, thank you. I mean, it was, all I can say is very difficult. Uh, We shot it in October, November of 2020. Uh, yeah, not even a vaccine. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was a lot of people's first, uh, you know, movie back. Uh, I had made one one previously in in the summer, um, but uh, it took a lot of figuring out. Um, there, you know, there's extras, there's party scenes, uh, you know, there's a fairly decent sized cast. Um, but uh you know we did clever things like there's a there's a big halloween scene and so lots of characters are wearing masks uh like halloween masks and we had them wear their uh n95s under it uh, no, just to be good. super safe good for yeah. you smart see that's this is good this is this is I like, pretty this insane is this is pretty 2022 23 responsible producing i love it um but anyway well done so okay Pivoting to Benicio, the the reason for the season. Um, now let's just so let me just quickly say our four B sides, right? And obviously we'll hit kind of small other other things as we want to do, but we're going to talk about Abel Ferrara's The Funeral. We're going to talk about um, Marco Brambia's. I was going to uh, see if you who, could pull the name who, of the director who, of Excess Baggage. Well, he direct, I always remember it because he's only directed two movies, and the other one is Demolition Man. Yeah. Wow. Which is like a pretty And that's his well aged movie, I think, right? Yeah, and what's like, funny about yeah. Demolition Man is it's like a pretty well aged movie. Like it's pretty well loved like today still. I think you know even I mean? unironically, right? Like no, I, think I think people pe- just kind of like it's, it. You know, yeah. it's it's you know, it's that weird moment where Sly starts doing sci fi basically because of you know, Schwarzenegger, right? And he's like always trying to compete. And so he does that pivot and it's like only a little successful, right? Because Judge Dredd kind of like, like, ruins it, right? But you know, the high point is Demolition Man to some degree, and it's like you know, young Wesley, and you know, it's not. 
don't think it's God God's gift to cinema, but it's just funny. It's like he made he makes that, and then four years later he makes Excess Baggage in '97. Uh, so that's our second movie, and then. We're going to pivot to William Friedkin's The Hunted in 03. And then finally, we are going to finish up with um, Mark Romanek's. Oh, wait, no, I'm reading here. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Let me look at this. <laughs> Joe Johnston's The Wolfman. Um, We're going to apologies. finish up just like Benicio's leading man studio Run. career yeah. <laughs> uh, with The Wolfman. And we'll talk Which about is it, so but he, like, he was he like always the attached to that movie. He loves it so much. Yeah. He produced he, it yeah. Like, yeah. back in a day when like that wasn't a given that they would just give you that credit. I yeah. feel and, he like. had, and what's great, Chad, you're right. And he hasn't even produced that much. He's not even like he produced right. He like he produced Che, right? Mm. And then that makes sense. Yeah. He's more like a Harrison Ford, right? He's more like I'm I'm gonna do I'm I'm doing my thing, right? But if it really matters, right, I, I'll maybe you know, like I think the like I think one of the only movies uh, Ford took a producer credit on was K nineteen The Widowmaker, which meant a lot to him. He really wanted to make that movie, and it's a movie he still kind of brings up when people ask him like underseen movies. He brings up huh. K nineteen, and so it's funny because sim those similarly debacle movies in a sure. way, which yeah. is like interesting. Anyway, so yeah, The Wolfman will finish up with, um, but before all of it, and I think. This time around, I think this question is almost more interesting because Benicio is such a diverse actor. He's done so many different roles. What are all of our first Benicios? And as I asked that question, I realized I don't know that I know. Chad, do you remember when you? I get. get yeah, well, actually, I'll let you answer. When do you do you first? See? I mean, I think probably it's the same answer as for a lot of people, which is his incredible performance in The Usual Suspects. Right. Um, sure. Which like I thought that, you know, when I when we I like when I come on this podcast, it's always nice to kind of pick movies that sort of even if they are B sides, they kind of like touch on an era. Sure. And like yeah. I thought that the funeral was uh, a great touchstone to kind of talk about his sort of the start of his career, which was as a New York exciting young interesting weird character actor that like was in kind of all of these exciting indies like around the same time and like i guess technically the funeral came out after the usual suspects but i would suspect that they were all kind of shot around the same time like between that and basquiat and swimming with sharks and the indian runner like all kind of really interesting movies and interesting performances of this sort of like new guy on the scene. But the usual, just to say the usual suspects, he's so amazing in this movie. And I'm sure many people know the story that I think is like a very indicative of how he thinks of himself as an actor and kind of what his value is as an actor, which was, you know, this tight, incredible Oscar winning screenplay by Christopher McQuarrie. And the story goes is that he came to, you know, Brian Singer, Christopher McQuarrie and, and said, you know, the thing is, is that like the only real function of my character in this movie is that he's the first to die. And like that kind of sets up, sets up the, you know, plot to to keep going and to, you know, set sets all these things in motion. So it kind of doesn't matter what I say. So what if I talked like this and I'm not even going to attempt uh, yeah, no, an it's impression a, it's a very specific he's thing. doing, yeah, it's, but yeah. he, you know, and, and Kevin Pollack talks about this uh, where, you know, he kind of 
you know, said that and was like, you know, they even encouraged the other actors to kind of say things like, what the fuck did you just say? Which they do several times. Yeah. But then he kind of ends up, obviously, Spacey sort of, you know, is the breakout of that movie. But like from a character actor standpoint and from, you know, I would imagine that's how he gets something like excess baggage. Like he kind of walks away with the movie because he's just so effortlessly compelling. And it is effective because when he does die, you're like, man, what a bummer. Like, it's like very, you like, you you can feel he kind of of like refused to just be anonymous in that movie. Like if he's saying I'm the least kind of, person that really matters in the depths of the plot other than i just have this function that uh, my character is there to die i might as well be as colorful as possible and that's kind of what he did and it worked well and it's indicative of a lot of his early career he's doing a lot in a lot like even in the funeral in the fan he's like it's kind of like me and connor were talking offline and we were joking like when did he when was the movie he finally used his regular voice because in like (laughs) it might have been trapped because in like the funeral (laughs) in the funeral he's obviously that's a movie about you know italian mobsters set in the 1930s and he's putting on kind of a very italian accent right he's the perceived villain of that film which you know that's our first film and you know, he's can, he's well, the ben, he's the Benny Blanco. He's the he's like the red herring of you know he you know the the presumed yeah where you're like you know the he's got to be the guy that's got to out Vincent Gallo Vincent Gallo and it pisses which... him off so much <laughs> that he tries to kill him and yeah. it works yeah which yeah I mean that movie is just a lot of I mean. Yeah, so, so we'll get I to think th- that movie's a masterpiece. Oh, I love it. I think it. that no, you I guys lo- watched it for the first time, and I no, don't know no, no, if you no, do, I, too. No, but- no, no, no. I, the funeral I have loved for a very long time because, I mean, that movie knocked me on my ass when I first saw it. I don't know when, a million years ago. but I feel like I saw it on like the Sundance channel or the IFC channel back in like 2000. And it's in desperate need of a restoration. I mean, yes, to get yeah. it through. You, you found, you found like a rip. Yeah, yeah. Means. Yeah. Uh, but because uh, it's only on DVD, I believe. There might be a French Blu-ray, I think. But I even read that that might just be kind of a DVD transfer. But seeing, seeing Abel Ferreira kind of you know in the middle of his like he's still sort of you know has a cultural cachet after bad lieutenant and to see him do something that's like kind of more in a classical classy mode where it's like 1930s it's like you know has shades of the godfather part two like it's deceptively straightforward yeah yeah like you know is this kind of like you know, press a little bit prestigier sort of. Well, October uh, films released exactly. It, yeah, right? It's a, a crime it saga. It's like a yeah. the Ferrera thing. I yeah. mean, like Christopher, like Chris Penn, and I believe he won an award at Venice for he it. He did, yeah. Um, is a great, a great incredible yeah. in the movie and is a very you know Ferrera kind of performance and and uh, descent into depravity and despair and is just a really devastating movie in 90 minutes that just like uh has great performances across the board and is just like a a movie that i really think like needs a restoration and re-release and would be considered one of ferrera's classic uh you know classic movies and and one of the better uh gangster movies of the 90s well and it's funny because i always thought it was considered one of his great movies and then you get and I, I, i don't know where i 
I, mean, I feel I like people haven't I'm, seen it because that's you can't what I mean. Watch I, I yeah. guess to, I, I don't know how I read about it, but that was one of the first ones I watched of of his. And um, yeah, I'm trying well, to remember the context. Of, it, but... it got a bunch of Independent Spirit Award nominations, I believe. Like again, like it's October films. Like I think it was kind of a, considered a thing at the time. And then you're, it you're didn't right, do it, incredibly well. It was a pretty well, healthy no, budget I mean, for '96. No, made right. like I mean, no one movie has made any money. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think like back then it was still kind of if you paid attention to that stuff or like was on IFC or the Sundance channel or whatever, but like, if it's not, you know, it's the transfer is too shitty for it to even like be on criterion channel or whatever, yeah, like it's true. a place for it to kind of re be rediscovered. So I hope at some point it's kind of, um, uh, put back out there. Yeah. Chris Penn is incredible. He's and look, amazing. Benic and, and he really and Benicio is. is really, really striking in basically he two, is. three scenes. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, he, he may, he makes his mark. He's, I mean, you mentioned usual suspects kind of indicative of the rest of his career in that way too, but or at I, least in that era, I would say, yeah, I would say this is of a piece with that, right. Where it's like his still consistent ability to just like show up in a movie and, and, really really kind of take it over even in a, something as recent as like you know sicario which i guess it does become his movie like near the end of that movie but he still exists as this like presence in the movie that you're like who the fuck is well, this but guy we'll, like we'll get we'll get to his later career because i think there's an inflection point where you can like see him really understand like you know and i'm not even saying this because I think a lot of his young work is great, so I'm not. Even, this is not really denigrating, but like he, as he goes on, he almost like learns to do less and like focus on specific things. And I feel like Che, you see a lot of that, which is I, for my right. money, one of the best. I don't know, one of the best movies that's ever been made, probably. Yeah. And like, yeah. and like, and you so know, certainly one, one of, of like the, the greatest performances, performances by an actor in yeah, the last. One of his he's doing best needs, performances he's doing ever. what he yeah. needs to do as a young character actor right. that's only given like two or three scenes to score and like every time he is like yeah. these movies that like and it's not all the same like yeah he's certainly not small in you know the fan or the usual suspects or the funeral or basquiat or fearless uh but he's like being but that you you don't score by being small in those things and i don't think he's i also yeah. don't think he's outside the realm of the movie he's giving in all of those instances he's giving the movie color and personality and danger and interest and he's not like you know trying to steal the scenes from other people he's just kind of like uh making a mark and like i think this era like he does that consistently very well i mean we're talking about a movie that also includes christopher walken chris penn vincent gallo in isabella rosalini gretchen maul annabelle and, sciorra and, and and annabelle sciorra yeah, it's a and like not, cast. not yeah. people that are known no, known for being subtle necessarily and i mean that in a as a compliment yeah. like yeah. this is a histrionic movie and uh, it all works as a piece with one another, and he's a, a great part of that. Yeah, and we should we should just say quickly, just for context, the funeral. Uh, it's a period crime movie, and uh, it's essentially around set around three brothers, uh, played by Christopher Walken, Chris Penn, and uh, Vincent Gallo. And when the movie starts, Vincent Gallo has been shot. 
And so they're holding kind of the wake at their family home the day before the funeral, basically. And it's kind of cross-cut with flashbacks both to their childhood to kind of show you just how they were brought up and how it affects who they each were individually. And then flashbacks to kind of show what led to Vincent Gallo's demise. And Benicio plays a very specific part of that. Uh, as a sort of rival gangster that sort of has they want to beef break with, the unions. With, with, has yeah. beef with Gallo over his support of you know unions and yeah you know. Gallo's basically a burgeoning communist yeah. right yeah. and they don't love that and they especially don't love it because they approach Gallo's family and Walken being the leader of the family basically being like hey we want you to help we want your support in essentially breaking up these laborers um and Gallo's like what do you like don't what like he's very opposed obviously as a communist so the movie the movie does that really cool th- and this isn't really a spoiler uh but like it it does that really cool thing that i like when movies like this do it where like if a character is dead and and people are mourning him it does that like trickling in of information where you're kind of like what did you think was going to happen to this guy though like you know what i mean like it's like you, you realize a lot of Various people had probably very good reasons for wanting Vincent Gallo dead, right? For various, and you're so you're kind of like, well, it's only a matter of and time. He's, all, like, he's, re- he's rebelling too. I mean, it's not just a political thing. Like he's rebelling against his family, and he's got that great like, scene with Chris Penn uh, where he brings Benicio del Toro's wife to like their house, oh, yeah, which is great. Jesus. Yeah, um, he's just trying to blow up his life and his family and sort of ex- expose the hypocrisy of capitalism. I yeah. mean, you know, like these mafia guys, I mean, obviously the Godfather's about this, but it's like the ultimate, you know, manifestation of capitalism. Sure. And like Gallo is, I think, a kind of a, a burgeoning true believer in in a communist or socialist or workers party kind of mindset. Sure. But he's really also just an angry young man and, and rebelling against the traditions of his and family. And like a burn it all down and kind of. something yeah. bad's going to happen to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned Chad, like you think this movie is a masterpiece and I, I don't know if I agree with you, but I feel inclined to only, and I said this to Dan after I, I watched it cause I hadn't seen it since I was like 15 or whatever and saw it on TV, but like rewatching it, I was like, I don't like, I don't know if I love or hate this movie. And maybe that means it's fucking incredible. Like when I finished watching it, you know, and I think Chris Penn has a lot to do with that because it is, like you mentioned, like a really just insane, like Keaton, Abel Ferrara type performance. And I think I I think my only qualm with this movie, and I normally wouldn't say this about like a 90 minute movie, is I actually think it needs to be like a skosh longer because I yeah. think I think some of the information translates better if the movie's given like room to breathe. But like I also know that apparently like Abel Ferraro wasn't even there half the time, so who knows? Yeah, who I mean, knows if they had peak, more to cut together? You know what I mean? Like, this is peak crack and heroin. Abel Ferrara right. and yeah, Gallo, you know, has you know, uh, gone on the record. Who, who was also not, is an unreliable narrative. I was yes. gonna say, yeah. I mean, uh, take it with but, the biggest grain no, of salt. No, I'm you can, sure but, that's true. I think you can feel it. And to be clear, like I think part of its messiness is what I love about it so much because, and I would never argue that it is a perfect movie. I think the combination between this kind of like prestige sort of setting and, and the versatility of like this era and like that, you know, there's parts of it that like 
you're like thinking you're watching Heaven's Gate or Reds all of a sudden. Sure. But it's still within the context of this sort of manic and depraved and insane, like bad lieutenant Abel Ferreira yeah. sort of vibe. Like that combination as a huge fan of of all of his work, uh, just seeing seeing those things mesh together and the ways they work and the ways they don't like is just fascinating to me. No, I totally agree. And yeah, like like we said, Benicio, the fact that he can stand out amongst all and of that. And he fits perfectly. Is, yeah, in it's that. incredible. I wish they would have worked together. I that's that was kind of my big takeaway from it, actually, is like it's kind of I mean, there's still time, right? There's well, that's what, that's what I was gonna say is like you know, Ferrara's still kicking out movies. So yeah. like I don't know, what's what's Benny doing lately? Go to you Italy, know? Benny, Let's get to over go to Italy. Italy, make a movie. Yeah, I mean Abel's still making movies, and I feel like that would be such an amazing thing. I mean, look, I think and we'll get into it as we go further. You know, Benicio del Toro, along with making the most out of a couple scenes, li- you know, b- literally being the, you know, the living example of there's no such thing as small parts, only small actors, right? I mean, sure. he is exactly. He does a good job working with with real masters too, because even even if it's something like The Fan, which is perhaps a lesser Tony Scott movie, he's still working with Tony Scott, right? I mean, he's right. still working well, it's, with. It's kind of like that game, you know, Julian Schnabel, Bastian, yeah, yeah, and, and I think he's he's been able more or less to do that throughout his whole career, which I think is 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 an underrated thing. And obviously, you know, you need to be obviously sought after enough for that to be an option, but. But you know, he clearly he is, like blew away a lot of these auteurs like early on, like well, even, even like even Sean, like Sean, Sean Penn, Penn, right? Which so, I think yeah, the just, Indian Runner is, is an incredible movie. I mean, Sean very good Penn's movie. first three movies are all like unimpeachable to me, basically. But like, and I did and so just for that's that, that's uh, Indian Runner, Crossing Guard, and the and pledge. the pledge. Which he also has one incredible scene, scene in the and, pledge. Yeah, we we covered that on our Jack Nicholson episode. Oh, nice. And yeah, yeah he's, he's great in that he's scene in the pledge. Terrifying in that. Like, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking and terrifying, and especially that late because this is two thousand one, I believe. So it's a year yep. after he already Wins won the Oscar, the Oscar for yeah. Traffic. So we like know who this guy is, and yet he's just so just. He just is so full hog in that and and to the point of like you've never seen an Oscar winner just be this kind of anonymous in a character that's in one scene that totally changes the movie. I know we this isn't a pledge podcast. That's another no, but wait, yeah, thing that get, I, I would start. <laughs> the pledge cast, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh he he just that's it's exempt it's amazing that he kind of kept doing that every once in a while after he yeah. even got more and more famous. Yeah, I mean, and just to, you know, as you know, as we kind of move slowly, move to excess baggage, just because it came up before. He's from Puerto Rico, right? He he establishes himself er, very early in his life in the states, in New York. You know, goes to an academy, stands out, um, gets small roles in Big Top Peewee and License to Kill. He's one of the henchmen. I think mm-hmm. he's the one who gets eaten by a shark, right? Or does he go no, through the No, he meat goes grinder? into the cocaine grinder, I right, believe. Right, cocaine grinder. Okay. So that's yeah. how he dies in License to Kill. Spoilers, I guess, um, for License Which is to the kill. rated R. That's like famously the rated R it's Bond, It's, I think, right? the only rated R James Bond movie. Yeah, interesting movie. Yeah. Um, the last John Glenn 
Bond. And then his first real role is in The Indian Runner, like we talked about, which is the Sean Penn directorial debut. And they remain very close friends, obviously. And, you know, he's like, yeah. like, like we said, they're and they've worked with each other. Seen, I mean, really, The Indian Runner and The Crossing Guard are like really incredible independent I, films. Of see, to me, the pl- to me, The Pledge is his best film, I, agree. I think. And I think you can really see his growth as a filmmaker. And then it's weird. It's like, and then he, I mean, this isn't a Sean Penn B-set, but then he really, Into the Wild has good stuff. I think as I've gotten I agree. Old, I think I, Into the Wild is a good studio drama. As and... I've gotten older, my thing with Into the Wild it has less to do with with Penn, I suppose. But I think as I get older, I just have, I struggle with McCandless because it's like, I think you just right. get older and, and you're like, dude. does something stupid and dies. It's yeah. like, why did you just, why did you do that? Just come back, dumbass. Yeah, but I, he was, he, I'm, I'm he, was with you on that. he was dealing with a lot of I'd issues. I'd be like we, one we night know. in the tent and I'm like going home, man. <laughs> it's like, bro, that bus wasn't magic. That was, I feel like I would be like setting up the tent and then I'd stop yeah. and be yeah, like, the fuck am I doing here? But so anyway, but you know interesting film in its own right for sure and then i feel like he's kind of in a way lost his thread obviously the last face we talked about on our charlie yeah but the one i i uh, the the recent one flag day i I haven't seen it actually look i won't it's not a secret masterpiece or anything by at all but like i saw it in theaters like oh wow it's all right it's not bad how many other people that that actually makes me happy to hear you say that actually that's good a fair amount of people because it, Sean Penn was there, so oh, it was okay. like sure. it was at Alamo, and I was sure, sure sure it's the only night that anybody showed up, but uh, it was him and his daughter, and like I don't know, it's shot on film, like it you know Brolin's in it, like sure it looks it's it's like okay, like it's not uh, you know I didn't see the couple, the one or two disasters he made in between. Um, well, the last, the last phase is, is there another the la- one? I don't think so. The last okay. phase is like the, that's the disaster. That's the really like Charlize is but the Flag lead. Day was okay. It was a, two know. and a half stars. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay. To hear. But but so but just to, so with Benicio, right? So you know that's a big indie for him. He's got a real role, and then he's in stuff like the other Christopher Columbus movie, right? He's in. Um, Wait, what's people, the other cl- for, for people who don't know, in 1992, right, that was the 500th anniversary of Christopher Columbus, quote unquote, discovering America. So, right. in 92, that was a big deal, which oh, now I feel like. Called, oh, would, I'm looking at my letterbox. Christopher Columbus, the discovery. So, there were two, right? So, there was the wow, John I've Glenn. So, John Glenn, who he worked with in License to Kill, made. Christopher Columbus, the discovery, um, and at the same time, really Scott made 1492 right, Conquest, right. Conquest of Paradise. Yeah, but yeah. hold on, we gotta we gotta pause for the cast of Christopher Columbus. <laughs> I know. Tom Selleck is the king, right? George yeah. Coraface, who I don't know who that is, plays Christopher Columbus. But Marlon Brando, Tom Selleck, uh, Robert Davi, uh, yep. uh, Otor, Robert Davi, Catherine Zeta Jones, and Benicio del Toro. Wow. What? And Rachel, you didn't even say Rachel Ward is Queen Isabella. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and um and me. So so the only person on my letterbox that's seen it has given it one half of a star. Name names. There you go. Is it somebody we know? <laughs> uh, let me see. It's uh, Blake Patterson. I don't know how. I oh know Blake. Okay, but so 
but so anyway, so he's 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 in these. You know, Fearless is an incredibly underrated Peter yeah, Weir movie. Yeah, great movie. Very yeah, good in that, that movie. Recently, a few months ago, for the first great time, movie. really, really one of, good. One of, one of it's, Jeff I think Bridges as we record this, it is like currently streaming somewhere where it and it usually does is not. And he plays uh, he plays Rosie Perez's like shitbag husband, right? I believe so. Um, and Only Rosie in Perez in incre- two incredible in or something, film. yeah. Yeah, just so FYI, to Connor's point, it's currently on Tubi, so I would That's, watch that. Yeah. Uh, it's very good. Yeah, anyway, good, old, good old Tubi. Good old Tubi. We love Tubi's it. Tubi. O- Tubi has yet to let us down. Um, China Moon is kind of an underseen Ed, Ed Harris, Madeline Stowe thriller. Um, yeah, I have not seen that. You know, uh, obviously The Usual Suspect, Swimming with, Swimming with Sharks um, yeah, is another shout, movie. Shout out to Frank Whaley, who's in my movie that I was promoting last time I was here, Private Property. Right. right. Uh, Whaley, very came, good. Frank came and did two days for us and was lovely and uh, very generous with stories and uh, uh, really good guy to work with. And, yeah, and, and someone and, I've been a fan of since I started caring about movies. Yeah, and, and one of those, and a kind of one of the essential that guys, right? I yeah, mean, he's, definitely. Sure. He does great work. Movies like Hoffa, right? Movies like Vacancy, he's great in, right? Which I mean, is the underrated Pulp Fiction. And, well, uh, sure. Right. And but Swimming with Sharks, one of his only leads, uh, along with that. There's one other with uh, with. Uh, Gen, uh, yeah, yeah, career career opportunity. Yes, yes, yes. I have not yeah. seen career opportunities, yeah, which I should of, have watched before I worked with him. One of his yeah. one of his early roles. It's him and him and Jennifer Connelly. Like yes, get, get locked in a in a in a grocery store mm. um, or a Target Remember or something that like was that. Enough to get a movie made. <laughs> I believe it's a John Hughes. I think it's a John Hughes script. Oh, I think it's like a. Pre, it was a pretty big release in like '92. That's actually. crazy. Yeah, yeah, kind of wild. <laughs> And so, yeah, anyway, point being, you know, steals a scene in Basquiat, right? What have you. Um, All of this leads to, right, excess baggage, which is funny because he, like, doesn't ever make a movie like this again, right? Which I think is what makes excess baggage really an interesting curio. I kind of have a theory about that. Well, and let me just say, um, he... I don't know that you'll ever, you guys can disagree with me. I don't think you'll ever see Benicio del Toro as bad as he is in this movie. Oh, interesting. I think he's, to me, and once again, you feel free to tell me I'm wrong. To me, he looks so hopelessly lost and where it's like yeah he just doesn't know what to do. He's putting on a voice and it, this time it feels like he's, it's like to hide himself almost. And like, you know, Alicia Silverstone is the draw at this point. She's coming off clueless, right? Yeah. She's and she's in her moment. Batman but and she, Robin's even around for the her, corner. this is almost kind of like an anti clueless role. Well, yeah. she, like, like it, she's yeah. a producer on the movie, right? It's like, this is very much yeah. like her, her moment, her movie. Um, I think it's one of those things. Walking that, uh, is in it, which is funny, you know? Yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they remembered that they were in the funeral together like, two years <laughs> later. I bet they did didn't uh i think i get i totally get what you're saying i think it falls under that category of just like this sort of squashing of an interesting personality when they go from character supporting actor to To lead man but like they almost kind of have to be boring yeah and like i saw a thread on twitter today that was about pedro pascal with regard to this which i think is like a pretty interesting comparison and you know even it's like 
it, I, I do. And even like, you know, the discourse around like uh, uh, James Cameron talking about Leo where like, you know, he wanted him to, uh, you know, not have to do not do a lot, you know, in Titanic. Like he didn't want him. To, he didn't need to have a limp. He didn't need to have like an eye missing. He didn't need to like yeah, have yeah, scurvy yeah. or whatever the fuck him and his father <laughs> thought that he should have to make the character more interesting. Right. And Cameron is just like, no, you just stand there. OK, James Stewart just stood there. Cary Grant just stood there. You're a movie star. You can do it. And I think Leo can. And I don't know if Benicio can. And maybe he's not a leading man movie star and that this movie excess baggage shows the tension of that i think yeah that's interesting because i think he is now mm. right that's because what he's I was, figured out how to be himself that's and what i'm a leading man man that's what time. i'm saying but i think he's 10 really years later anymore though I well mean, we but, but, yeah. but but 10 so, 10 so 10 years but but even but even three years later right uh he's working with soderbergh right and he's not the lead of Traffic, but the, you know Traffic is basically five little movies, right? He's like certainly one of he's the, the lead, lead of his my, little movies. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, really, exactly. he, that is, I think, undisputably the best part of that movie. I mean, Traffic, I think, he's is unbelievable in Traffic. Yeah, it's tra- one of the Traffic best. is one yeah. of those. Yeah, Traffic is one of those. Cra- his performance specifically in Traffic is one of those crazy things where like. He won. He was so young, you know, and he I feel like it's a perfect win. supporting act. This yeah. is what I'm saying. And yeah. also, it's, it's still a masterpiece traffic. Yeah, it's 100%. It is not dated yes. or wrong. like it. Agreed. I, the movie you thought it was when you were 14, it's still that good. A hundred, yeah. I, to- I totally agree. And, and we're, yeah, we're saying the same thing, which is basically like, it's one of those rare performances where like he wins. And if you hadn't seen the movie, you'd be like, Oh my God, what the hell? This like hot shit actor, like steals an award. Like, and then you watch the movie and you're like, well, no, I mean, it's I don't really know what to tell you. It's crazy. I was actually terrified to rewatch it a little bit because I rewatched it for this and I was like, okay, it's probably, and I really was like, eh, it's not going to be good. I I rewatched it like, I don't know, a year or two ago and was like, uh, up from four and a half stars yeah. to five stars. Flat masterpiece. Uh, it's yeah. a clean, like, it's a clean yeah. five on yeah. nine, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so point being, it's interesting to watch Excess Baggage. You know, which is certainly isn't a movie we need to go long on. The 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 plot of the movie and it gets very kind pretty of clever com- premise, but like clever a, a premise gets very very two thousands. I'm yes. selling this on a napkin yes. premise. Yes, a thousand yeah, very, percent. A very Shane Black, you <laughs> yes. know, but not Shane Black. Like right, it wishes you know, it I, was Shane. I, you know, yeah. I went to Randy's Donuts and I sold this to the to <laughs> the you know to the you know studio over the. You know, in the in the phone booth for two million dollars, and I gave him the pitch, and, and so basically, excess baggage is um, Alicia Silverstone is a you know quote unquote spoiled rich girl who is in the process of staging her own kidnapping, and she's at she's basically at the end of the the end of the negotiation, which she's doing all kind of you know by herself, in which her father is going to give the supposed kidnappers of which there are none the money which is a good a good way to open the movie i'll say it's like you're like oh okay here we go this is interesting and basically what happens is she locks herself in her trunk to be found only to have that vehicle stolen by a car thief who is benicio del toro and yeah good little, set, good setup like, little does yeah. he know that she has done this little does she know does he know that she's even in the trunk and then basically every single thing that happens after that is a great example of like how not to write 
a screenplay, in my opinion, because well, it's they, really one. Of, there was a punch, it, there was a bunch of punch ups apparently by Aaron Sorkin. Um, really? Oh which, wow! I didn't know that. If I had to guess, I didn't know that. And this is just speculative. So, um, part uh, Benicio's partner in crime is oh, Harry Connick, Connick Jr. The, and the a lot iconic of his, Harry Connick. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, a lot of his scenes do feel like kind of a little more Sorkin-y. You know, he's just he's kind of the one with like the most fun lines. I would say. But you like, know who Aaron Sorkin should not write criminals no a, th- a thousand percent granted like granted, well, and, all the, uh, and also all those scenes it's funny you mentioned that i know you're guessing but like those are all like patch scenes because like harry connick comes in to be like he's at the he's at he the kind of dealership in to like like harry connick jr who i think yeah. is okay in this movie mm-hmm. he I, yeah. but he kind of swoops in to like inject color back into the movie i think a little bit and that's that's well, i think why I, he, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad movie like it just it just doesn't really work and i don't think their i think their chemistry and these are two very charismatic performers uh sorry not conic who i do like but i mean silverstone and and del toro yeah i just don't think they really to use a quote from clueless i don't think they mesh well you know uh, <laughs> i was saying certainly that, yeah i, I was saying that to dan i was texting dan while i was watching it and i said like there's a like there are two versions of this movie that work and neither of them are with the other like there's a version where Benicio's the lead in that role and it works if it's somebody else and there's a version see i think silverstone i think silverstone's the best in the movie like i yeah. think she's I, no, I agree, I agree. I'm very just much it's, like it's the two of them together that almost yeah. that is the poison to the movie it's funny but I think, because i yeah. just watched uh i just watched uh a lifeless ordinary for the first so, time so, because they're, of they're a, the same. another podcast yeah. that we won't mention but uh well, we, yeah, we, yeah. uh but uh our hey they, our friend hey that's our friend our all of our friend marie Barty's yes, podcast. That's yes true, yeah. exactly <laughs> shout out marie shout um, out marie and they this is they came out i guess they're technically uh two different years but i remember them being very it's so weird how similar they sort are of like dante's peak armageddon of of its era and it's funny to think because i didn't think that movie worked at all either but like it you know was interesting and entertaining in well, some way it's the danny boyle difference right it's it like... is but i could almost imagine swapping the cast and like e- ewan would work in excess baggage i think like, yeah, I think I could it's, see, it's interesting to think you and, and Alicia have yes, a lot of chemistry yes, together. Yes, and, that, and Benicio and Cameron and maybe Diaz would be. Maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's but actually so a really good point. My, one of my biggest problems with this movie, though, just from and you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there was many rewrites, and that's interesting. And there's a fundamental. I think the thing that okay, so a movie like this, right? What what you need to be what you need to sustain i feel like to keep the tension up are these like ever present stakes and i think the thing with this movie that's like almost like a kiss of death is like they change the goalposts constantly Mm. which i think is such a dangerous game to play with the audience because you're basically being like Okay, he stole a car. There's someone in the car. He didn't know someone's in the car. That's really interesting. The stakes are high. Like, okay. And then it's like immediately deflated because then it's right. like, okay, she's out of the car. They're basically getting along. That's cute. But then you need to find like another thing. And it's like the father doesn't care. Okay, that's an interesting character development, but that's not very 
like there's nothing scary about that. So then you're like, okay, Walken's involved. He seems like a scary guy, but he loves Elise Silverson. Okay, so he's I guess a little dangerous, but he wants the best with her. And then so you introduce like Nicholas Turturro and like this whole other like these other gangsters, and then Michael Bowen this, right is the other guy. Yeah, and yeah. this is when and who who's uh, Michael Bowen is Buck. Wait, Buck who likes what to fuck. What is he like? Okay. He likes to oh, he likes yeah, to just fuck. I, Okay. <laughs> Chad, you got to you got to make sure. You always got to know. Um and so point being, that's my biggest problem is like then you get to where there's life or death circumstances and I'm kind of like okay, but w- what's going on? Like and I think you lose the thread of the of their motivations. Yes, and I think yeah. that's you're and gonna lose. You're gonna lose me. I think my it. Point, le- you know? But the, and the problem too is like, it instead tries to retreat into being like a crime comedy version of, uh, it happened one night. You know, right. like like which I don't look that pitch. I'll hear too. Right, like that is fine. I think. But they don't have enough chemistry. Exactly. That that's work. exactly the problem. You they do get they, to they, hear Dave Matthews Band's crash three twice. Times. I think it's three. I think it's three times. And and you get a nice little wallflowers needle drop for your money too. But you're Um, right. At a certain point, the stakes (laughs) feel like they're kind of running on fumes, and like this would all be solved if everyone just kind of like stopped talk for a second. Yes, hundred and ten percent. Which I guess you could say that about a lot of like screwball comedies, obviously. But but like, but but but, no, no. But you could say that. But we always talk about this, right? It's the Jurassic Park thing, right? It's like there's 45 dumb as shit continuity things in that movie. Who cares? It doesn't matter. You don't right, ever think it, about it because it it's amazing. You along the way, yeah. Right. The minute yeah. you do, you can you can do that all you want, but it has to be, you know, you have to be engaged, or else you're going to start seeing it, and then all of a sudden, yeah. it all it all kind of falls apart. So the, I think that's the problem ultimately. There is with something this I noticed with Benicio's performance in this, which is why I think like. I don't think he works in the movie. So I kind of agree with you, Dan. I don't think he's like, I don't think he's giving a bad performance on its own. It just feels like it's, it. he's like keyed into the version of this movie that I think I wanted it to be like a little bit more. It's a performance that reminded me a little bit. And this is what kind of got my main thesis going for him as I was like prepping for this, which is like, he's, he's Brad Pitt's Wario. He's like, <laughs> he's like, and, and and Brittany and I were watching this and there's the moment where he finds her in the trunk and he looks and it's a great little bit of like physical comedy. Like he pops open the trunk, looks and then immediately like shuts it and kind of throws his arms in the air as he like jolts away. And like it had like Brad Pitt in the Mexican energy. Yeah. And like that's the movie I like when that happened, I was like, oh, this movie's well, gonna be look, this movie the, might be good. And then Mex- like Mexican's a way better movie, you know. That's what I'm saying. Like it, the movie overall doesn't have that, but it did put in my brain. Can you guys like, name can you guys name the movie they were in together? Brad Pitt and Benicio? Yeah. What's the movie they're in together? Are they both in full frontal? No, it comes out a movie a movie that every young man loves comes out. In the year 2000, uh, 2001 in the States. Oh, Snatch. Snatch. Snatch They're both in Snatch. Baby. I don't think they, they, don't share, they, don't they don't share a scene. I right? Benicio was in But Benicio is yeah. Frankie Fourfingers. But they Fourfingers. both have similar yeah. energy, and I think the difference is that Brad, like, Brad Pitt obviously has the movie, like, the movie star energy, but he, like, that whole thing people say now of, like, Brad Pitt as a character actor trapped in a movie star's yeah. body, right? Like, 
I think Benicio just was able to unlock the character actor sooner than Brad Pitt would. But even even in Pitt's earlier roles, like True Romance or something like that, like you could see Benicio slipping into a role like that I just, just think, as easily. I just think Benicio is always a character actor and has always been one. And they, they've occasionally tried to make him a movie star yes. and it's worked yeah, sometimes, it's like the inverse. but not yeah. usually. Yeah. Like there's a few times where like it's like in Sicario, which I think he's great in. Like, yes, that's still kind of the third lead, but I'd still call yeah. that a lead part, not a character actor part. But it's tailored to him, so yes. it's working. And you much like... You can't force him into a Brad Pitt part or an Ewan McGregor part, whatever. And I think time. that's what this movie kind of tries to do. Because yes, they're like, right. oh, we need you to be also... And he is... I mean, I, you know, Brittany and I were having this conversation as well where I kind of was like... Is he sexy? Like, what is what's the measure? Like, what's oh, the level? I think he is. I, I would say yes, but hundred percent. I would. I understand that he's not in the way that say. No, I think he's sexy. Pittance, the right? like, suspects in his like satin suits and like gibberish. I, I would. Dialogue. I would. I would agree. And but I, see, I also think he's. I think sexy. he's got the same kind of sexiness that somebody like a like a Bill Skarsgård has. Like, there's like a. He's more conventionally handsome. He's got a menace. Yeah, he's more conventionally handsome, but he's got a weirdness and kind of a yeah, you know, this just sort of weird, but it's almost funny feral because, quality about him. That so, uh, but it's funny though because so Excess Baggage where it come kind of comes and goes doesn't do that well, right? Which is interesting. The next year, just to kind of because we're talking about him as him as a lead, yeah, which I think it's interesting to get to our next movie because even the next two movies, Chad, you kind of were alluding to early. That's kind of the period where he is a lead actor, really, and it's interesting. Where, you know, the next year he's in Fear and Loathing, which is a is a is a you know it's a bullish part, right? He's and Dr. that's Gonzo. his second lead, and that's that's what we're talking about. It's like that's a character lead, basically. Yeah, like, Terry Gilliam, you know, adaptation of obviously the Hunter S. Thompson book, and with Johnny Depp and what have you, you know, kind of a cult classic. Um, you know, him and Deb work well together. Uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz came yeah. <laughs> Traffic up. is oh, the right. uh, traffic's uh, in 2000. He wins the Oscar. That same year, he makes The Way of the Gun with right. McQuarrie, which is a movie I really, 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 really like. Uh, it's an very, interesting movie. Yeah. Very flawed, uh, obviously. Um, I think he's very good in it. He's very good. He's, I, I also think so. actually think... Philippi is is quite good in it. As they have well. a great chem. They have a great um, chemistry, and yeah. and like that that was one that I brought up, which I don't know if I don't think it counts because it's it's more well known, I guess. Sure, sort of, yeah. but like yeah, maybe it does. But it was a disaster. I mean, you could financially right. consider it a B side right. for sure. Yeah. But like that is like as an Oscar follow up. Like I think that's an interesting choice that obviously like doesn't really work for people involved, but I feel like. I don't know. For me, at least, as a I, that was too early for me to notice that that was a box office disaster. I was just like, "What's the guy that did the Usual Suspects next movie?" And like, sure, so right, I watched right. it when it came out on you know video or whatever. Yeah, same. And I liked it then. Oh, I loved it when I yeah, I loved it when it was on video. And so you know, and then you know, a little role like we uh, we just mentioned in Snatch. He's you know he's it's a very kind of big funny you know two scene performance. Um, the pledge we mentioned. He works immediately two years later with Sean Penn again in Inaritu's um, 
21 yes. grams a movie which, yeah. that i thought was one of the best movies that i ever saw in my life in high school <laughs> and then uh realized that i was a stupid dumb in, idiot inner is kind of one of those directors isn't he a little bit well like... especially that early now i've learned my lesson <laughs> and i know it's bullshit out the gate but uh that movie i was like well i mean it's the weight sure. of the soul. Uh, I don't know. Are you aware? You guys... Chad was like, Chad was like, Get well, they should stop making movies. They should stop making movies. They just figured it out. Uh, they just, they just made the best one. But it was also it was like, and I loved Naomi Watts so much. Obviously, like, sure. that was like really primed for like high school serious film student chat. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. Like had just seen Traffic. Had just seen you know uh, Mulholland Drive. And was like on the Sean Penn train and then, you know, had had seen Amoris Paris like in theaters. And like, I was like, well, it doesn't get much better than this. This is what we make, guys, you know? And <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I bet you the performances are still good, but I was going to say, he gets like a nomination. Yeah, he gets like a very quick second nomination off. Oh, that. right. He and her get nominated. They right? both get nominated. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 definitely a movie of the moment. It's kind of it kind of predates Crash, right? In in it that is way, very crashy and it's, it's very crashy, faux profundity for sure. Incredibly crashy. Um, and I think that same year, right, is an is 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 probably to date his biggest lead movie star, you know, role in our third movie uh, directed by William Friedkin, The Hunted, in which it's you know basically him versus. Tommy Lee Jones in this kind of proto elemental Rambo first blood uh, movie set in, you know, funny enough set in, you know, the, in the uh, Pacific Northwest, we not on, you know, Portland to be specific, not unlike Rambo, which I think is always kind of interesting. And um, so is this a movie, movie is a, is a banger yes right? i, I mean, love all, like let me yeah. tell you something i love this movie i saw this in theaters okay when yeah, i was a love. kid yeah uh what 2004 right? 2003 right? 2003 yeah. 2003 okay Par- so Par- I- paramount a studio picture right quick quick context right a march release studio picture Oh, uh, what a good to, March release! Total, too. total like, what flop, a good... right? To, total flop was kind of a shame because this was Freakin's kind of his very brief comeback period, right? Is where this before or after Rules of Engagement? It's right after, right? So, interesting. Okay, it's Rules of Engagement, I also saw in theaters, and that is not good. But not this as good. Is. I think it's. I think Rules of Engagement is there are interesting things in it, but this is certainly better. He makes these two movies with Tommy Lee Jones. Um, this is the great one of the two. Yeah. Um, but, but rules of engagement does pretty well. And I think this is freaking like playing the game a little bit after like a really yeah. rough nineties where it's yeah. like rampage is a disaster. It doesn't even Jade. come out. Yeah. Right. Jade is an absolute debacle. Barely gets released in total flop. Blue chips is his only real, like, that did okay movie it's a very underrated sports film but i like, actually haven't seen it but i would imagine that it's not very freaking so he's like yeah it's or maybe yeah not. there's okay. some stuff in it but it's not yeah it's certainly him kind of playing by the rules right um, and so i think so whatever point being this is really the last really freaking like studio picture right because mm, after right. this he goes 
he basically goes into Tracy Letts land. He makes Bug. He makes right, but that uh, must Killer be Joe. what like that. Well, I guess that was only like three years later. Yeah, Bug. Bug is like an but, indie. But, I mean, Bug and hit. Killer Joe are great, but yeah. uh, those are indies for sure. I mean, and he and he, and he really hasn't. You know, it's kind of done, right? Like, and so I think uh, yeah. it's interesting. About- I was really hoping there was rumors that he would do True Detective season two, which I thought would have been really oh, cool. Yeah. But, it but really I, I think it, him and Nick Palazzo literally would kill each other. They would have yeah, yeah, lit each other on fire. Would, it, it, they would both be dead people. Yeah. <laughs> there was another director on that set who they almost murdered each other, which we won't get into. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's I guess pretty well documented at this point. Um, but. Um, Although so, Farrell really would be a great freaking actor. I agree. I mean, I still yeah. look the guy. We talked about this with De Palma last time. Like the guys, the boys are back in town. Okay, like Cronenberg is back. Yeah, Farrell, Walter, back. Walter Hill, like, like Walter Walter Hill. I still haven't seen that yet. But so I, I still think Freakin could have one in him left. Sure. Uh, I just don't know that Freakin wants to yeah, do it. Yeah, sorry, keep going. I just wanted to say I love so I saw this in theaters when I was like, I don't know, sixteen or something. And uh and I, I think I liked it then, but I don't know if I was really fully aware of like what who Freakin was, or I probably was. Like I had seen you know, obviously, I at, at, if I was 16, I had definitely seen like The Exorcist sure. and the French Connection and stuff. But I don't know if I had connected, if I was at such a point where I was like, those people and then like now they're flop studio era and like you should pay right. attention that like this person directed this, even though it's not like a freaking movie yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like sure. I still like would uh, would understand when like Scorsese came out with a new movie but like if it was a guy that had made great work in the 70s and now they were a little bit working more anonymously in the studio system in the 90s I didn't fully connect that like you know sure. Rainmaker or like whatever right like yeah. I like those movies Frankenheimer like, kind of did the same thing put like, them in the context yeah. but so I just rewatched uh The Hunted for the first time for this podcast since I saw it in theaters and Man, it is really a fucking cool movie. And like you said, it's elemental. Like it's very, it's very physical. There's not a lot of dialogue. Mm, There's not yeah, a lot of kind of like explaining what the context of Which is the key is. to its success, it's very, I think. It's, actually. it's just yeah. a very kind of physical, like elemental movie that almost feels like a lot was kind of cut out of it. Mm-hmm. But almost in, like I liked that about it. Yeah, it's also it's not. We should say it's night. Also ninety minutes. Yes, right? I mean yeah. it's funny. All these movies, basically, except for the Wolfman, I guess, and even the Wolfman is not that yeah. long. But yeah, it, well, depend, it depends uh, on which cut you want. Yeah, as did I. So did I. So did I. So did I. So did I. True. Um, but so, but but, you know, I think the thing with this movie, and Chad, everything you said is is a great kind of, you know, kind of intro into this movie is like. Caleb Deschanel is shooting it, and it's beautiful like yeah, looks beautiful. incredible, yeah. right? And yes. Caleb Deschanel, if you don't know, is kind of one of our great living cinematographers, and kind of does this very specific thing with light, um, where he can just—I don't even—I mean, I don't really even know how to describe it. Like he shot the—he uh, yeah—he shot the Black Stallion, right? Like he shot some of the most beautiful movies ever made, and I think. He has such a way yeah. of elevating like what would otherwise, you know, any other DP yeah. would 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 sort of probably make it look mundane. But like I think about something like the first Jack Reacher movie, right, which has no business looking 
right as as lovely as it does and yet well yeah just just like i mean literally like i'll just read some of his movies quickly because it's just worth it right like being there the black stallion the right stuff the natural right beautiful Um, movie yeah you know fly away home hope floats is like a is like a you know a sandra bullock you know, weepy drama that looks incredible. Anna and the King, Message in a Bottle, The Hunter. Anna and the you know. King, right. My point is like, you know, Ask the Dust, we just talked about, the Robert Town picture. Yeah. Like, these are, and they're not all great movies, but these are all like stunning movies to look at. Like, even more recently, um, he made a movie, the Florian Henkel von Donnersmark movie, Never Look Away, which is a stunning looking picture. Um, you know, uh, Warren Beatty's uh, most recent film, Rules Don't Apply, which is like, you know, all of these films, you know, th- he really sculpts light in such a way that feels very old fashioned. And yet, you know, Did, was Rules Don't Apply shot on film? I believe it was. And, and all of the all of the genres he's worked in, it still works incredibly well. Yes. But I think the thing he does better than anything is if you get him outside, right? He can sure. mold an exterior better than anybody. I, it could, you know, him and John Tall are who I think of. So, so for me, and I've mentioned this before, like the John, the one-two punch of the John Toll one-two punch of Legends of the Fall and the Thin Red Line. Like, I don't know that you'll ever match that with sure. like the way they look. But point is like, these guys, and we're talking about Chanel in this case, like what they can do with lenses and light, it's just really like it should be taught because I just think we're not seeing that as much in movies. And along with the choreography and the just the, yeah, the minimal dialogue and the incredible physical acting, they are, you know, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro, specifically Connie Nielsen is also in the film. They're surrounded by this like incredible setting. And it's a movie that really feels like it was shot and set in Portland, right? In the Pacific Northwest. And I think that's also so important, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, not to make like the, they came together joke, but it's like, it feels like a character type thing, like Portland in this movie. And like, it's, it's, I think could otherwise feel totally anonymous and it feels like freaking and company really kind of lean into that, like kind of just off kilter background that Portland provides. Like there's a whole sequence on a, you know, on a train. Um, is it a train or a bus that he ultimately like jumps off the bridge from? I think it's a bus. I think right? it's a bus. So, yeah. Public transit though, I guess is my point. And, and even that the background is just populated by like, you know, extras that you're like, Oh yeah. Like we're in Portland. Like, and it, and it feels, it still feels very specific to the movie. Um, just g- broad plot to the movie. I know we mentioned it's like basically Rambo. Essentially, Benicio is this assassin, you know, this like black ops assassin who is kind of now in the wind, in the wild, in the Pacific Northwest. And there have been a series of killings of hunters in that area. And so Connie Nielsen has to investigate and she brings in uh, – Tommy Lee Jones, who is a now a tracker, but who has also trained Benicio del Toro. So he's kind of like the Richard Crenna character, basically, from from First Blood. Um, and it's really like, a, I mean, it's First Blood, but it's also basically Frankenstein, which is why another reason I think I love it. Like, it even just gets to that, like, you know, the way Frankenstein just puts those two characters in like the most bitter wilderness, you know, by the end of that book. Uh, spoilers, I guess, for the very old novel Frankenstein, but like, 
this is very similar like this ends with like a knife fight on a waterfall that's like one of the fucking coolest scenes i've seen in like an action movie maybe yeah, like it's amazing um and it's just very a lot of chad you made the joke about it offline but like a lot of just it, it, knives a lot of big <laughs> just like fun knife play in this movie i sent you guys the meme of the, the little kid being knife. Like, what do you have there it's a knife yeah. no all the adults the you can see movie. the camera yeah, shake yeah, that that is well, like it's like he just has a knife. What do you what, what do you have there? I got a knife. No. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's literally the haunted. Um and no, but it's beneath just to speak to Benicio in it, what I love about the movie, and you had mentioned that it felt like, you know, there's a lot that's not it's not very specific. They don't do a lot of explaining, right? And I think that's to the movie's benefit because like when Tommy Lee Jones first sees Benicio del Toro after he's killed two hunters, the sequence in which he kills the two hunters, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's near the beginning of the movie, but the scene in which he kills the two hunters, it's not like 100% clear that they are in fact hunters. Like, yes, they they look the part, but Benicio basically kills them. And then when he talks to Tommy Lee Jones about it, like he's like, did you see the scopes they had? Like they they were here to kill me. Like they were not you know, they were not hunters. Right. And so it, you get the, it, it toes this very gray area where you're like, is, has he just fully gone like off the reservation and lost his mind and he can't, he can't turn the killing machine off or is he right? Right. Like there's this like fun little paranoid thriller element to it. And I think as the movie goes on, it gets a little more explicit, at least in terms of like, he becomes a little more of a straight up villain because he's like killing Connie Nielsen's people and stuff like so he definitely kind of goes full Frankenstein's monster a little bit. But but in the same manner of Frankenstein, there's an element of like this dude needs like it's not his I mean, it's his fault because he's doing the killing. But there's a might be like a clear mental thing going on that like is is uh, is not being addressed. And I think. But the nebulous nature, like the movie never clears any of that up, which I think is like hugely helpful to how compelling it feels and how weird, how fucking weird Benicio's performance feels. Because I think the reason he's a, success, a successful leading man here is he's allowed to lean into some of the more character actory bag of tricks. So that, you have the anchor of Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. Like you have right, right. the, you know, the the catcher's mitt, you know, yes. ready to uh let the audience kind of feel safe right because it's a very it's i mean we should say tommy lee jones is fucking great in this movie really too it's a very it, yeah. like you almost think he's gonna go like a little sam gerard yeah and instead it's like a very it. it's gentle weirder. yeah it's very gentle it's very like vulnerable kind of which i feel like is not a register it's almost something you you might not see later from him until a, a few years later with no country for old men mm -hmm. like um and yeah, I mean, I don't know how much there is to say about the movie without like going in full spoilers, but it really is just a kind of down and dirty, you know, you guys keep saying elemental, but yeah, it's a very basic in a, in a good way, like economic, well, I'll, I think, I'll say action this. movie. I, for, when I first saw this movie, it probably DVD time, probably Same. like 04. Yeah. I remember the thing that I struggled with was it's... There's, there's also like not a lot of score in the film, right? So it's mm. like, it's a very quiet film. And I think 
a lot of general viewers, that is a bit of a hurdle just from what you're trained to expect. And I certainly think the one or two times I watch it as a younger kind of a person, I struggle with that because I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of boring. Like, I didn't really understand. And I think that was literally the product of like freaking trusting his audience, right? Where it's like, he's just basically being like, I'm not going to put bells and whistles on this, right? I'm going to trust my, I'm going to trust my cinematographer. I'm going to trust my three leads, you know, Connie Nielsen, you know, among them. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a grown up picture, right? I think that's kind of, you know, it's like in this era, we always talk about, it's like, it's amazing this thing got made. And obviously this is 20 years ago now, but it's like to watch it now, you're like, Oh my God, somebody spent $55 million to to make this thing. And it's like, what a gift from God. It feels like now. Well, and and the difference, easy recommend, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I I think just the difference is like, you know, in the, in the nineties to two thousands, like when we still got these movies, not only did we still get them, but like they were getting directed by William Freakin, right? Like, and yeah. they were getting shot by, by Caleb Deschanel and yeah. it would like, and that, you know, I mean, not unlike we mentioned with the life less ordinary to excess baggage thing, like just that, that secret sauce of a really good director, you know, to, to elevate something that might otherwise be like direct to DVD fair but if somebody else directed But this is a programmer starring two Academy Award yes, winners. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed by an Academy Award winner and multiple nominee and shot by the same, you know? Yeah. And like, I guess, I don't know how well this did or not, but like, I just, we used to regularly get these in like, right. you know, the summer or whatever. Right, right. Like, and now they could, now it's streaming. It's like streaming. I mean, fair, I don't even know if this exists in streaming. Now this would cost like $15 million and like look like shit. Sure. <laughs> and, and you know, and you know what's funny? You know what the last thing D Chanel shot was? Mm. The Lion King. Oh. Uh, the Disney, uh, which is like, God. what does he even so do? Depressing. Here's my question. What does he even do on a movie like that? Like, well, this paid. is my point. He I don't just kind he... of, what is he just approving the shot, the Cash VFX shots, you know? Like, he's like, yeah, that yeah, render looks good. <laughs> yeah. So I just think it's, you know, like, you know, like we talked about this with the Palma, like Chad said. I mean, you know, you have these old artists in this kind of new age of streaming and, you know, you know, compression, you know, like yeah. bandwidth allowance, right? Like, yeah, you know. can you imagine what some of the night uh, jungle scenes would have looked like on the Amazon Prime prestige oh, version? God. Of this movie? Oh, God. Well, let yeah. me just let me tell you something. I'm not going to mention the movie because why do this? But I had family in town right before we were recording this. And uh, we put on a movie that was on Prime, I think. And there is a, there's a, Three minute long scene in between uh, a couple and they're in bed and it's nighttime and the filmmakers just shot it at night and there isn't really much in the way of light. And so it's just dark and there's no like texture to it. It's just kind of like, you know, low light digital photography <laughs> and i just was watching it and i was like why did this happen who why why did this happen because nobody cares dan like who the standards are in this, the toilet <laughs> you know and it's like and it's not a short it's like a very essential long piece of dialogue right it's like not like 
30 seconds. And I'm like watching this. I'm watching this sequence and I'm like, am I insane? I feel insane. I'm well, like, don't you feel this, like, like the unfortunate thing is that because because I, I feel like the unfortunate thing is that I feel like you don't know it until you like you don't you, sometimes you don't realize it was missing until you see it again. Right. Which is like why the hunted struck me, because like just some of those scenes in the opening of the movie, I'm just like, oh, wow, this looks amazing yeah. and you, and you, but but again like i i was struck by it when like in 2003 i probably wouldn't have been i would have just no, been like this is right. the way Ch- movies look like. yeah, everything like, looked that good yes yeah. <laughs> fucking law and order right good. right <laughs> yeah um, so i just i mean that's look and that's you know that's well tread ground and you know we don't need to you know you know belabor it but i think it's worth bringing up because i think it is the thing of you know this was not a this was not a prestige movie and it was not a blockbuster and it was still made with a level of craft that is like very sure, yes. impressive. Yeah. yeah. Especially that I had forgotten the kind of opening massacre like uh war scene oh, the Kosovo, Kosovo, which yeah. was which was very well done yeah. as well and powerful and uh again like sort of felt big in a movie that then kind of gets small in a way you can you can 100%. feel him kind of and i don't mean this in a bad way but you can see the economy in that scene too like in a way that i felt was really impressive of like he knew exactly like okay i need one shot that has the tank and it's yeah. gonna be this shot right and you're like oh, good great and he like does all the little things i feel like in that scene to to sell scope right uh but um, um. Yeah, and so then, like we mentioned, Sin City, he's got a you know fun scene in that. Essentially, I mean, yeah, we were talking about that off mic. That was the last thing I watched before we started recording. Yeah, that's a movie that I think is aged. You know, mileage may vary. I think it, you know, it speaks to a certain time and definitely, you know, Robert Rodriguez and all that. And I think his scene, though, weirdly, you know, it's funny enough. Funny enough, weirdly. It's the opposite of the hunted, right? Because I think what Sin City speaks to is kind of what's to come, which yes, is like, yeah, right, yeah, you know, Rodriguez and John Favreau being like, "You come down to Texas, and you, we we could just make Star Wars in my garage," and like, you yeah, know, it's like we we could do that. We, we like didn't know it was the that, de- we know? didn't know it was the death knell at the time because I do right. remember, you know, I remember whatever being like you know fifteen or sixteen, seventeen, whatever Sin City came out and watching it. And thinking like, oh man, yeah, they like no, did this felt, all on a green screen. How cool yeah, it is felt this? Special. Like, no, it know. did. It felt special. Um, and then um, little did we know. I wanted to mention, you know, this isn't one of our movies, but I rewatched it, and I just, I was so happy to, to feel very validated on a rewatch that it's still as great as I thought it was the first time. So, uh, Susanna Beer um, made a movie called Things We Lost in the Fire mm. with um, Halle Berry, Benicio, and David Duchovny. And came out in 07 to, to, you know, I think was an Oscar play, I guess. It really ultimately to little fanfare, um, really modest reviews. And it's a movie that I absolutely love. I mean, it's it's this like incredibly simple film. Benicio Del Toro is an addict. His best friend's David Duchovny, who's a successful guy with a great marriage to Halle Berry and two great kids. I think it's also set in like the Pacific Northwest, actually, and it's literally. Um, so is excess bag, right? Excess yeah. baggage, right? So and it's, it's literally <laughs> uh, David Duchovny's killed, right? It's in a tragedy, and it basically forces Halle Berry, who it does not like Benicio del Toro, right? Thinks of him as like, you know, the attic friend who like her good husband won't let go of. It basically forces Halle Berry to like confront 
Benicio del Toro and kind of have him back in her life, at least temporarily. And then it becomes the story about like recovery and, you know, basically, you know, just relationships and kind of the evolving nature of it. And it's just one of those movies that like at every moment you would think it should, it's going to become cloying or kind mm. of treacly or something. It doesn't. And, and, and I, 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 you know, Benicio's given a lot of incredible performances and Heron Vice comes to mind, right? He's great in The Hunted, we just said. He's great in God Knows, Usual Suspects, Che. You know, if Che is kind of one of the best things I've ever seen any actor do, I, Things We Lost in the Fire is right behind there. I think he's so incredible. There's this great moment early in the film. He goes to the funeral and it's like all of the rich friends and then this guy in this like raggedy suit who like should not be there, right? But he was the Covety's best friend. And he makes small talk with John Carroll Lynch and John Carroll Lynch bums a cigarette from uh, Del Toro. And then John Carroll Lynch's wife, like, you know, admonishes him for like smoking. So he puts it, he, like, he like flicks it onto the grass, you know, halfway done with it and leaves. And Benicio Toro looks around, leans over and pinches the cigarette, right? Pinches it out and mm. then puts half of the cigarette back into his pack. To like preserve it. Yeah. That is amazing fucking shit, right? That is an yeah. actor who's a fucking pro who like knows his character. Like he wakes up with that character because anybody who lives in any city who's dealt with anybody who's got an addiction, who's got, you know, whatever, like some sort of an issue where it's like, you know, that shit means something like you want that cigarette, that half a cigarette. You're not going to waste that half a cigarette, right? You're going to fucking pinch that shit and save it for later. And, but the fact that he looks around, like he's not, a, he's not so yeah. far gone. Yeah, he's that he's a, he's not aware, aware right? yeah. of his social situation. It's like not one line spoken. It's like that scene. I literally, when I like gasped, but I was like this, yes. I was like, this is the fucking guy. Like, and I think that's, I mean, that's look, cool. We'll, and we'll we'll talk about the Wolfman, and that, you know it's kind of almost a bummer. That's the last one we'll talk about. But like, <laughs> but I think what's so cool about this guy, you know, and I was watching a lot of interviews with him and stuff, is like he's just such a pro. It's so crazy. Like he literally, like he was talking about Sicario, and people were being like, you know, like stupid film festival questions, like, oh, why'd you want to make this movie? But he literally was like, because I wanted to work with Deacons. And you're like, that's a guy who like knows what yeah. is good. Right, like not every actor would say that, but he was like, "Look, I love Denis. I, I'd worked with Emily Blunt before, right? I love Josh, but he was like the guy I wanted to, when I found out Roger was going to shoot this movie. Like that's why I wanted to do it. And then he even said, like on set, like Deacons didn't do a lot of talking. He would leave at the end of the day, and like they barely spoke on set. But then, like at the premiere, he saw the movie, and he like gave Deacons a big hug. And I'm like, this is this is the guy. Yeah, total like, pro. Like he just he wants to get to set, do his work, crush, you know, challenge the director. Like if it's you know something like, right, like the Usual Suspects thing, right? McQuarrie talks very openly about like that being a huge issue in the rehearsal process of like McQuarrie being you know McQuarrie and Singer being like uh, this like young actor like just wants to do a stupid voice and like having well, like, a really Fre like, freaking apparently around. had like no patience for him. Uh, on the hunt on the hunted yeah because it was a lot of 
what's my motivation like what you know what am i thinking what am i doing here like mentally whatever blah 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 blah. and like freaking allegedly comparatively was like yeah and like tommy lee jones would just he, he would just show up and all the only question he would ask is like what marks he needed where to do I stand? yeah exactly yeah, and i can't imagine two real more different, different yes than, than that yeah 100 i mean they do they do fit together on screen well i, I agree like, i don't um they don't seem mismatched and like sometimes too it's like you know i mean freakins his own like you know is his own crazy person as well but right. like sometimes managing those kind of personalities and fitting them in the frame together is like the director's job basically and i think like even if it was frustrating for him like freakin succeeded in that totally um, yeah and uh and yeah i mean i think that's cool that he's a student of cinema i mean another fun thing to mention is just that you know he apparently shot days on one or two of the malik uh you know recent movies uh song to song and or uh night of cups i believe it was song to song mm. everybody um, was in that and he's not he was cut out of it but they shot stuff with him um and you know he uh enjoyed the idiosyncrasy of you know the late period malik he does uh, seem like he'd be world. a great malik actor he would too work. He would yeah work. yeah for sure um so yeah and uh i you know he i can't wait to see what he does with the rest of his career i'm actually like kind of glad that like i mean it's sad that we're gonna end on the wolfman but i'm glad that that didn't work so that he didn't keep doing doing that. sure sure yeah and we should, so you know the wolfman right so obviously an update of the universal monster film from what is it 41 con uh i don't have it in front of me with lonchini is it lonchini jr lonchini jr yep so yeah and and obviously del toro references other wolfman adaptations as kind of his performance he's a huge fan of the franchise well he yeah and he he like and this i didn't know but he He was attached for like five years before they made it it, yeah he was like a big factor and like he he was the one who kind of kept pushing it along and the other thing i didn't know you made the you made the mark romanek joke earlier dan i always the way i remembered it is that like they were shooting the movie and he left um but what i did not know is that this as far as like principal photography is concerned it is joe johnston's movie like yeah romanic left before four four weeks before yeah yeah you know as anyone knows like that that's I mean, on a movie a like this, yes, to redo the whole thing. Of course, of know? course. Yeah. Well, to me, well, Chad, yeah, this is crazy. Walker, screenplay. Well, that's what I, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. And then that, I guess to me, the insane thing. Yeah, yeah. The insane thing that I didn't know because I, I thought, it, I, I thought it was more of a Jane, uh, Jane got a gun situation where like it was a walked off the set thing, but. Even still, four weeks is no time. And the fact that Johnston, I did not know this, Johnston brought on David Self to rewrite the script to me is even more crazy where it's like in four weeks, like how did that work? And like clearly it didn't I, really I work. I would imagine I mean, how, because like if a director like that is going to take over a project, like he's not just going to shoot the same pages that are there. Like he has to, he has to have like a take on the material and like Joe Johnson isn't, I don't believe is a writer really either anyway. And even if he was going to direct the movie in four weeks, he couldn't write it himself either. So it makes sense that he would bring on a a screenwriter that would like 
work with him and take notes and like as they're in pre-production sort of like implement some of these ideas into the screenplay as he could and then be his kind of on-set person as well but like that doesn't lead to a particularly coherent thing Clear, like, clearly I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't even think of the movie as that incoherent i just thought it was kind of boring like i don't know i i watched the the unrated cut which i think is like 15 minutes longer than the theatrical yeah, it is, it's about 10, it is about like 10 long minutes enough. longer yeah I, I thought it was like a dvd level like one of those like prim- like oh let's just call it unrated and it's not it is i've seen both versions it is like an extended cut of, like it is right. it is more and it's also quite a bit is more it, graphic is it gorier yeah because yeah, the gore was good i mean like that was one I of the be- that, one of the more appealing parts of the movie yeah i, think, I thought yeah. the action and and the gore was pretty good and even like i mean talking about 13 year old special effects like i thought they looked pretty good too honestly i just thought the kind of like boring costume drama shit in between was boring i think i think part of it is there isn't really they don't do a good job i mean the plot it, we, we don't really need to go into it's it's very similar it's well the it's, cool it, the, yeah the coolest me and Connor were talking about this the though it doesn't really work the coolest thing about the film is they're basically taking the Wolfman and they're they're doing it straight, right? It's not it's not the Universal Monster version where it's like there is these histrionic elements to it, but Lon Chaney Jr. is basically playing it modern, right? Like, well, it's, it's not. Con- it's a contemporary movie, the original. Like, it's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So, yeah. but mm-hmm. it ha- the original has like references to like legacy and whatever, but like. This movie's literally like set in 1891, right? Yeah, it's it's very much like Victorian Gothic horror. Is like, yeah. yeah, he's like a you know he's a Shakespeare actor like of the stage in New York. His brother's killed. He comes. He's back got home the worst to fucking haircut in the world, man. In this, <laughs> well, he's like... got the Hamlet. He's got the Hamlet haircut, right? <laughs> it's like it's there's all these very specific. It's very very, and this is where you get into the Johnston thing. It's like almost prohibitively classical right Mm. which Mm. is like if you're making hidalgo i think basically helps right but if you're doing this i i like the idea and i connor i know you do as well yeah but chad you're you're bit you're right which is like it doesn't mesh with his which is essentially a gnarly cool story right so you have these like competing factions in the in the same film where like not to mention that like emily blunt god bless is not unlike benicio and excess baggage feels very much like someone who's lost in this kind of studio fair and obviously she harnesses it you know uh later on and weirdly enough they have like better chemistry in, in sicario, sicario yeah. you know which right, they, yeah, they're right. like kind of well i think part they're of the romantic problem... partners in this movie and it's yeah. so haphazard well, she and just feels like she's just like i'm not gonna embarrass myself. I'm just gonna yeah. do. I'm gonna yeah. be the damsel and the Victorian damsel, yeah. and I'll be great and whatever. And then you know you have Hopkins who like is kind of hamming it up a little bit, but like the movie, it's funny because it's it feels like it it it's trying to do like it wishes it was Bram Stoker's Dracula, yes. but doesn't yeah. have the balls to do that. That feels and like then, the movie that was in development, right? And then it looks like Sleepy Hollow, like which I, is fine to, too. To like, me, yeah, like, like yeah. it ha- had almost an identical, like yeah. cinematographic, whatever, like uh, philosophy. It's got Sleepy an Elfman Hollow. score, 
and and yeah even the day right the danny elfman score so it just never kind of like it's just a bunch of parts that don't that all feel kind of half-assed and never really work together and and i think yeah. the the biggest I like. I do the, like Benicio in it. I'll say. Generally. Yeah, I do too. Because yeah. I think he. It's but not a bad movie. He also. I don't. I. I agree. I think. I kind of. No, I, I think. I agree. I think I, I also even agree. gave this movie I, I like three agree. and a half yeah. stars as a courtesy. Oh, I mean, I. I, I gave it two. No, no, no. But yeah, but I gave it two. No, and, and that's probably that's probably more accurate. I think to me, the three and a half stars more comes from like the joy of what I want this movie to be while I'm watching it, kind of, if that makes sense. Like Dan and I well, were you're, saying, well, Connor, you're, but also you're like, you're like a I'm deep like, lover of those. I'm like movies. in the tank for anything universal monster uh -huh. related as well. Like in so fairness, like, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I am not like, yeah. I I've seen a lot of them. I like them fine. But like for me, the, the whole Wolfman thing is like, well, Wolfman, this, Artie Wolfman, the, <laughs> attorney at law. The whole, <laughs> the whole Wolfman, the whole Wolfman, Wolfman, Wolfman partner. Sorry, the whole Wolfman thing is like this sixth most interesting Universal, you know, monster movie property. You know, so yeah. So I've never been a huge there are fan things, of any of them. Yeah. There are things floating around in this movie, like that you mentioned, and it's worth noting, like it being, you know, in in the original, right, in the Lon Chaney Jr. original. There's the element of like, oh, yeah, there are these like carnival gypsies that hang around and we go see them for fun and we don't pay them any mind. Whereas like in this movie, it's like a social issue, right? There are like there's like a lot like there's that level to it where when that stuff pops up kind of early in the movie, when Lawrence Talbot comes home, who's Benicio del Toro, when he comes home, there is that level of like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like you're working in sort of this like. I, yeah, just this. I do also like. I forgot. I like that you know Hugo Weaving comes in halfway through, and he's they call him he's Francis Aberline in this movie, and he's he's literally Frederick Aberline, who is the guy who was chasing Jack, Jack the Ripper. Ripper. Yeah, and he's right. the guy. They who, even do he, the He's thing. the guy who um, you know he's. You know, he's the character from the the graphic novel From Hell, who Depp yes. plays in the yeah. Hughes Brothers film, and it's interesting that they. It's a cool bit of like, you know, universe combination where it's like they even reference the Ripper killings in this movie. And like they also reference a um, like a suppose like a, a real incident um, that happened in a French town uh, that became well, that's the, in the director's cut. Yeah. And that became the Max impetus for the movie or, uh, Brother is of the Max Wolf Fonsetto? or Brotherhood yeah. of the Wolf. Yeah. And yeah, it is Max von Sydow. He's he's. Yes. Yeah. So Brotherhood of the Wolf is that incident. Yes. Wow. Yes. Or which like, is a great sort which of is a very, from very that. cool movie if you haven't and seen it. And there's that. like an implication maybe that Von Sydow like is was maybe the person responsible. He's like a very mysterious person who like comes in and out. It's, it's a, a cool fun, scene. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool scene in the beginning of the movie. He gives him he gives him the wolf and staff, right? Yeah, yeah, the king. And it's yeah. like um Yeah, I mean, look, it, there's some cool stuff in it. I think yeah, Hopkins is kind of disappointingly subdued, and then like in three scenes, he's insane. You got you right. have like a yeah. you have like a Hulk esque, you know, Ang Lee's Hulk esque like <laughs> yeah. thing Father, happening, son, battle which is end. you know yeah. in theory interesting, but kind of almost similarly to that film, not the sum of its parts, perhaps. And and I think it's um, worth bringing up that yeah. like so uh, two episodes ago we did Michelle Pfeiffer and we covered Wolf, right? And better, better movie. A better movie has a kind of a similar ending, 
And it's funny that like the ending of Wolf, I'm so keyed into that when it happens, I'm like, have you seen Wolf? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so keyed into like the insanity of it that I'm like, hell yeah, werewolf fight. Let's go. Right. Whereas this, like you'd think just with the production value and everything about it, if I tell you it ends with a werewolf fight, you'd be like, okay, cool. Like, let's go. And it weirdly is like, it feels so inert to me. Um, Apart from like Rick Baker throughout the movie is doing amazing work. Um, which is really cool. He won an Oscar for it. And he also won the Oscar for American werewolf in London. So it's just kind of funny that like, they just kind of kept, they were like, Oh, you, you did something with werewolves, Rick. Here yeah, you have go. It, like, take it again. Thank, Rick, take it again. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, that I think is the level in which I, I enjoy this movie. It kind of has this like hammer horror cheesiness to it that's a good comparison is 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 it does and i think that's i think also that extra 10 minutes 15 minutes that i watched like really kill the momentum of it sure like i mean you know the hammer stuff is like 80 90 minutes and like and and i think that this trying to kind of have its cake with that stuff and eat it too while ha- while trying to be a sort of prestige studio like franchise starter just really don't work together because it's yeah. both not campy enough and not com- dramatically compelling enough which, and it needs to be one or which one is a them. bummer because benicio feels like he could because be he right could be keyed into either yeah. and the, yeah. the special effects and the gore and stuff are all right for it it's yeah. like the movie around it is just what doesn't work yeah agreed agreed um, yeah, so that's, I mean, and you know, like we said, it kind of ultimately. And I don't know what the Mark Romanek version would have been. I mean, I'm kind of curious, but I like, think a lot of the. More hammery, I, I think, think. The, a lot of the insane asylum stuff, which is some of the cooler stuff I think that's in the movie that happens sort of in the middle portion, that to me felt like. Or, or especially when you look at his music videos and stuff. Coppola, like Dracula, right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and also it's you know it's it, look it's the, you know the, the ironies of Hollywood, right? They bring in Johnson because basically, Romanek's like, look, I need more time, I need more money, and they're like, you you know you can't have it, and Romanek's like, okay, well I walk, and they're like, okay, and then John they hire Johnson basically with him saying, I'll get it in on time and under and on in you know on budget, and then of course. They you spend know, because, the money on reshoots that they should have just given the Roman act. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a cla- look, it's a classic Hollywood yeah, tale. And I think it is. You know, that's where you get into like, you know, four weeks before, you know, in the middle of prep, you know, at the end of prep, really swapping out. You know, that's not it's just crazy because it's easy. like it's like you just you're just everybody has to realize that we're not gonna make a good movie when that happens. Right. And I'm almost yeah. surprised that Johnson took it, but I guess maybe he won't need the work or they gave him. Well, I remember John Johnson was at a weird money. point in his right. Johnson was at a weird point in his career, and I remember him giving an interview where he basically said that was the hardest that was every single possible thing went wrong on the Wolfman the Wolfman. And the Wolfman. And he um <laughs> He had a really tough experience and then immediately booked Captain America, the first Avenger. Right. And it was the ease. It was like everything went right. Which like in a way, at least at the time, was kind of a sellout move as well. But then he was kind of perfect for that night. And, and, and you won't and, catch me saying anything nice about Marvel anywhere. But 
it's like it makes sense like that movie makes sense for him yeah, well, yeah John i mean Stings, i would argue for my money it's like yeah. one of the few of those movies that like still holds it, up in some yeah. kind yeah, of johnson yeah. achieves a serial style yes. thing with that movie that i right. think is pretty cool and, and you know rock, rocketeer was synergized that he could just kind of do his thing on yes that movie. yeah and, yeah. He's and that was right kind of one it. of the last times that happened right you think because he can, like, it's the yeah. rocketeer i mean it's yeah. it makes perfect it's, the it's like it's it's done do you think he carries over Hugo Weaving from Wolfman. Oh, interesting. I just hear like, like I mean, he was just like, oh, this guy, yeah. Like, Hugo, well, think about Wolfman, Hugo Weaving dating Le- and then Esquire, <laughs> and then Hugo Esquire. Weaving uh, didn't want to keep making them, you know, right? Because he hated wearing the mask. Because right? he didn't, uh, he didn't reprise the role. But anyway, so I mean, look, yeah, that's look, that's you know, the 2010, you know, the Wolfman, and I think. You know, it looks like we're going to get a new one, you know, courtesy of Derek C. in France and Ryan Gosling, which that'll oh, be. Oh, right. Oh, that's cool. I that'll mean, be provocative. A provocative so combination. Wait, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Benicio part of the Dark Universe photo no. shoot? No. Who was going to do the I don't think they in the Dark Universe? I don't that's think a, they had ca- I don't think yeah. they had cast it because they had ca- it was it was Cruz as the mummy, right? It Depp was, was the Invisible Man. Depp, Depp was the Invisible Man. man. Cool. Javier. Uh, no, Bardem. Yeah, sorry. Bardem yeah. as uh, as The Doctor. What? As Doc- Frank. I don't know if he was going to be Victor Frankenstein or I think the he monster, was, I think but he was, was going to be, be one I think it was going to be like, not both, but I think he was going to be the Doctor. And okay. then... Um, and then Sofia Boutella is the other one. And was there no one else? Oh, and Crow. We didn't say Crow. Crow was, was going to be Jackal. And yeah, right. yeah. yeah. So um, there wasn't a Wolfman. There, there was not a Wolfman wolf part of that dark universe. And, when and there was... also wasn't a Wolfman either. No. no. I just think no. it's funny that I'm making the Wolfman joke because like the original title is The Wolfman and this one is literally The Wolfman. Like well, you're if you right. were just to it's read not, that, like... There's no space. Yeah. So he's technically... Yeah, there's, no hyphen. There's, no, there's no hyphen, yeah. Um, um, well, let me so let me just ask this as we kind of come to the end, right? And obviously, look, we've been mentioning, you know, I think what's interesting after this, and Chad, you made this point, and I think it's right, you know, it's right, is um, it's pr- probably good, you know, the film wasn't a success because his his career, you know, Marvel aside, speaking of his his career since has been super interesting, which is to say, you know. A really interesting role in the Oliver Stone film Savages, right? The one of the better parts of that movie. Yeah, the, the only okay part of that movie. Yeah. I you think know, the, I actually think Travolta is, no, is them kind too. of like, yeah. Them too, yeah, the yeah. two yeah. of them are great. Um yeah. Jimmy P Psychotherapy of a Plains Indian, which is the uh Arnaud Desplechin movie, and you know, which got some play at Cannes, Inherent Vice, uh A Perfect Day I started watching today it was a pretty interesting movie, Sicario. You know, the fun role in the Star Wars film, uh and then, I mean, I think the ones that we escape escape at Danamora is amazing. Very he's good. Great yeah. Very good. And yeah. and no sudden move. I love. Very good. Well. Yeah, I wanted to list that as one Reunited of our B sides, but it felt a little too recent. And it's, I he's it, fun in the French. I didn't love the French Dispatch. Oh, he's, I think he's amazing. He's, in he's fun in it. Part that's of it, yeah. part of it. Like that's yeah. the best. I like the French Dispatch actually quite a bit. I do as I, well. Yeah, I think yeah. that his section is the best, and he's the lead of that. And yeah. is very, very, very good. And speaking of him as a kind of performer, he's not someone that you would ever think would make any sense in a Wes Anderson movie. Sure, but in that exact great. role, he fits. He fits he's perfectly. Perfect yeah. yeah. Well, no, but I think, but even that exact role. I mean, this is what we're talking about. I think he can. I, I, yeah, I 
this kind of brings it back to what I was saying before. I think he's like sneakily very malleable. Like, sure. Right. Yeah. And I think what's cool about post the Wolfman is like, I think you're seeing that a little bit. I think he's getting older. He's setting it. He's not, that's the wrong phrase. He's not set in his ways. He's comfortable in what his capabilities mm. are mm-hmm. They're They are vast and he knows it. And I, I look forward to like, I think, you know, we, we will sometimes ask like, what do we want to see him do? And I think the cool thing about Del Toro is <laughs> like, he, wants, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I think I he'll be good. I just want to keep, like, keep working with auteurs and like letting him, letting them plug him into interesting roles in their movies. I'd like, like to, I would love to watch him now in like an earnest, like, romance like i like i would love to see like the malik a malik collab come to fruition because i think like in a uh to the wonder type thing like just a very like i feel like he could fucking crush a role like that um do you know what's funny or again get get him get freaking to make one more movie with him like you know what his next movie is it's mm. called reptile and do you know who one of his co-stars is who Alicia Silverstone, baby. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. That's nice. Very I like that. Idea. That's nice. That's nice. We're back. It's all um, coming back together. I, I did want to pose the question. I, I mentioned this to you, Dan. I'm curious to know what you think, Chad. Is he the best of the Soderbergh stable? Well, you know, Cheadle's in there. Cheadle's right? great, obviously. I think Clooney's the one you could make the case for. Because well, I think Clooney- if we're going to take away the level of like non non movie stars cuz i would say yes he is among the i think i would i would say this i think his performance in traffic is one of the best performances in any steven soderbergh movie yes cuz yeah i was my my thing would be like i think i think che, i think che is ben the best Chai too yeah is yeah like the nobody best thing soderbergh in any ever soderbergh movie has given like anybody. clooney has never given a che right like Right, sure. Maybe the closest he's come is something like the American. Never given, uh, yeah. Danny Ocean, I don't know. True. But I would argue True. a little no sudden, sight. a little no, no sudden move is kind of yeah. a little bit, which is why that movie fucking rules. No, I think rules. you're right. Like him and Che, which I I think I I part of this is I've only seen Che, I believe once in a, the part one and two at the Zigfield during the New York film festival premiere. Nice. And I really like to see it again. Um, but it is an incredible piece of work for sure. But, uh, I am not as, I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. Yeah. He, I mean, he's just, you know, he's like on another register there, but in a way that I kind of, for, I mean, that's a, that movie's like remarkable and like for everybody involved, you're kind of like, well, and also funny enough, just to bring up Penn, that was the same Oscar, you know, season, whatever, as Milk. Mm. And I don't know if you guys remember, but Penn spent a lot of his time when he was winning awards, basically being like, I should not be up here. Benicio Toro should be winning all the awards for Che. Which was I was he, thinking is did he get so nominated even? Like, no, 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 definitely that's not. Ins- no. That's, wow. but, that's, but you, but that's che, a travesty, you know, che was an IFC Films yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, that was like, they never could. That would have been a cool, like, that should have gotten the sole, like, best actor nom. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it was, they never could get the money, right? And so Soderbergh kind of put it together. They tried to make it before they made Traffic, and then they they couldn't get it off the ground. Malik was going to make it? Yeah, yeah, so they couldn't get it off the ground, then they made Traffic, and then after they made Traffic, 
Malik was doing, I think, coverage on like a legal trial in like South America, something like that. And they like got him to give input on it. And he was the one. There's a really good, by the way, if you have Criterion Channel, there's like a 45 minute like making of Che thing. That's just that, that that's where I'm getting all this from. But um, basically, Malik was the one who was like, oh, you should make the movie about Bolivia, not about Cuba. And then they that they basically got part two written and that was just going to be the movie. And then they still couldn't get it off the ground with Terrence Malick, if you can imagine. And finally, Soderbergh stepped back in and he was the one that was like, you can't have you need the context of Cuba to make Bolivia interesting. Which so, he's right. No, he's 100 percent right. And it's why the movies and ma- the movies collectively That's are like a I'm masterpiece. That's why I'm also kind of glad that I saw them together, because that yeah. really it, you really feel the contrast when you're seeing them in a five hour sitting. Sure. Like, yeah. And and yep. it's like it's like you really are like, oh, this is the sec this is the second part where it doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> where the and same thing they just tried failed. It's it's that big picture that like yeah. makes the whole arc of the character and story like right. the, mo- the most fat and like to to the even just the thing of like, and I think Benicio had said this in one of the talking head moments in this criterion thing I watched, like just the notion that like this is a guy who like won the thing and then could have been at the height of like living in the lap of luxury and actually stuck to his guns and was like, okay, well, I'm going to just do what I just did somewhere else now because my yep. work is done here kind of thing, uh, which is interesting. But, and, but, 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 but still his arrogance got the best of him. Exactly. Right. Um, even, even in his altruism, right. It's like, yeah, it's a great, yeah, it's just fascinating stuff. Um, but so anyway, I mean, the last thing I was going to say as we wrap up is like, you know, other really good Benicio performances we want to recommend. Obviously, I already kind of said mine, Things We Lost in the Fire. Seek it out. It's currently on Prime. Uh, it's It'll be worth your while. Uh, you know, Connor, Chad, is there anything else you wanted just to spot check? We've talked about a lot. So Yeah, I mean, I I, I, do, I, would, I just mentioned it, but I would reiterate, like, No Sudden Move is yeah. a fucking great movie. Like, I loved that when it came out. I feel like not enough people really were, like, talking about it. I think it's for my money, like one of the best movies Soderbergh's made in like 15 years, probably. Um, But, uh, and Benicio is obviously like a big reason why, but overall it's like a super fun movie. So I would, if that's on HBO max, I would encourage uh, anybody to check it out. Um, Yeah. I think we, I touched on everyone that I really love. Um, Well, you love him as the collector in guardians, the galaxy obviously yeah. or was it just thor the dark world chat yeah one? who kn- <laughs> is he in uh, thor the dark who, I, who knows i will just reiterate my love of the pledge which i yes. think is yeah. is truly truly one of the underrated movies of the 2000s and uh i i it's it's like that is a great hollywood drama that we don't get anymore that is, that's also you know the pledge also has it's so weird where it's like a great Benicio scene, an incredible Mickey Rourke scene, an, ing- an incredible Patricia Clarkson scene. It's like you get Tom, some Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan. Yeah. yeah, there are like mm-hmm. there are like four or five like Aaron Eckhart's in more of the movie, but it's like he's never been better. Right? It's like yeah. crazy. It's like and we so we talked better. about this. That movie is like the it is the epitome of like the value prop of Mickey Rourke when he's good, which oh is my like God. Mickey Rourke shows up for like oh my God. four minutes so in good. the movie and, and fucking devastates you. It's magical, magical. Yeah. 
Um, it's great. So people will definitely seek that out. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, linoleum, baby. Um, yes, Watch please it. go. Please go rent or preferably in a theater. See uh, linoleum with uh, Jim Gaffigan, Ray Seahorn. Also, should mention that Tony Shalhoub and Michael Ian Black are in the movie as yes. well. Yep. Um, I think uh, people that listen to the show would would enjoy it. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you're obviously welcome back. Welcome back anytime. And uh, Dan, where can people find you? Well, yeah, no, Chad, thanks a bunch. Congrats once again on that, on Linoleum, a great work. Uh, seek it out. Um, yeah, at DJ Mecca on Twitter. Um, I just want to mention, Colin, you mentioned before, but Colin West wrote and directed it, which we just shout out. It does great work with Linoleum. Um, but um, yeah, DJ Mecca on Twitter, uh, at Fathom Stories for the Short Story Podcast. We have a new one coming out later this month or early March which I'm very excited about and, you know, writing reviews on the film stage. I just reviewed a movie called sharper that's available on Apple TV plus. That's a pretty fun con movie. And Connor, I will pass to you to wrap us up. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at scruffy looking. You can find this podcast on Twitter, Facebook and letterboxd at TFS B side. Uh, Chad, once again, thank you so much for coming back um and thanks for picking we get we didn't mention we gave you like a short list and i'm really glad you picked benicio off of it because he's such a fucking fascinating subject and you know somebody who i think i think people value right is kind of what i walked away from it like you know i think people value him as being an interesting actor but like re-watching a lot of these things i kind of was like oh no he is like maybe just one of the greatest we have currently probably and i think i i always kind of love discovering that kind of stuff with an actor but um but yeah that's that's all for now um we have some cool stuff coming up uh thanks again to adam blotner for our theme music yeah i just want to make sure that you know as you guys have been listening can you hear me in the back <laughs> hello and now you're listening to the b-side